All right, welcome to another edition of Tilt Shift. I hesitate to use the word dream team, but I think I will use the word dream team. Um, <laughs> I've assembled a bunch do. of Top Gun Maverick enthusiasts. Don't hold back, uh, Chris. <laughs> yeah. That's true. No fake bios necessary. We've got uh, Nina as a, as a callback to our Val Kilmer edition. Those of you go watch. Um, great conversation about Val Kilmer. Great to see him in Top Gun Maverick. Um, that's going to come up. Kim Mulder, which everyone remembers from the Black Panther conversation, among <laughs> many other things that you would remember Kim Mulder from. And um, longtime listener, for, uh, first time uh, guest, Morgan McLaughlin. Finally, the schedule's lined up. You were able to make it. Thank you, Glad everyone, for making it. I'm, Thank you for having us, Chris. Thank I'm you. At- this is so fun. You're welcome. I mean, I should be, I'm going to thank you a bunch of times during this. All right. So we're here to talk about Top Gun Maverick. We thought it was going to come out in 2020. It didn't. We had to wait even longer. I guess I wanted to start, I'll start out with my sort of Top Gun Maverick story and then, and then we'll kind of go around and, um, and then Kim, you had a great question. So we'll start off with that. So I remember um, late 2019, I think, or early 2020, uh, Top Gun Maverick trailer comes out and brings up all sorts of nostalgia to Top Gun 1. And at that time, I really hadn't re-looked at Top Gun 1. It it was everything that I kind of remembered. It's like, okay, it's people with like call signs and there's like flying and there's like cool music. There's like this tragedy and then and then it gets overcome. But I just remember watching the trailer and the trailer ended with a plane taking off from an aircraft carrier. And I remember looking at that going... I actually think Tom Cruise is in that plane that's taking off of an actual aircraft carrier. And I was like, oh, did he just like Mission Impossible, this Top Gun? Like we had heard about the level of realism that he's brought in and and stuff like that. Um, And I was like, God damn it, I I gotta see this movie. So my question um, was, what does Top Gun mean to you? And I come to this question, this place, which is that uh, Top Gun didn't mean me until I sat in a theater with almost a whole row and teacher colleagues eating far too much candy. (laughs) And I didn't know it could mean so much to people and people I cared about and whose minds I respected very much. So my question for, for folks was, what does Top Gun mean to you? Because when I saw that my friends were very affected by this, this sort of re-release of a new edition and also had so many rich memories as if it was so recent of the first Top Gun. And then I realized this was very interesting cultural territory worth 
worth digging into. So um, what does Top Gun to mean to me? Top Gun Maverick now means to me um, a beautiful memorial to the career of Val Kilmer. Even to the point that Tom Cruise could step aside for five minutes and let the screen, let the camera love someone else. And also um, Top Gun means to me an old kind of movie star that still exists only maybe in the person of Tom Cruise, which is the own stunts, which is the person who may have actually no inner life, but is only there to be adored on a camera and uh, really great soundtracks that are like so unselfconscious in their embeddedness in, in the film. That's what Top Gun means to me. Nina, what does Top Gun mean to you? Um, gosh, it Top Gun embodies like, the 90s like and sort of that 90 the 90s is really in your face and um unapologetic about being in your face and so and now uh the culture is such that we're always someone else our face isn't necessarily who we really are um and there's a lot of masking of who we are um for the sake of diplomacy and political correctness, but the 90s wasn't like that. It offended you in so many ways. And so you were allowed to respond to it. You were allowed to have these knee-jerk reactions that were inappropriate, but it was still sort of culturally acceptable. And so that's what Top Gun represents for me. And not a whole other time where that where it was okay to be that way. And it's so American too. In the 90s, it was it was okay to say you're American. Now you would shy away from saying you're American in some capacity or you're from the United States because of all these um, horrible, horrible things that have happened recently. But it, I think Americans would be proud to be American at that time. And that brought the movie brought a, a little bit of pride back to them given a whole bunch of historical events that have unfolded recently, people shy away from saying that, but they're okay with saying it not now, at least after the movie. Um, well, I feel like I have a few things to add on and build to people just on your point means about the being proud to be American. One of the things that stood out to me in Top Gun Maverick was like when they're being debriefed and they get to meet Maverick, all the, the new pilots, what is behind them, but this giant, giant American flag. And even when I was sitting watching, I was like, wow, that, that is really in your face of like, here we are, we're fighting for America under the stars and stripes, and we're going to go get this enemy that doesn't ever get explained who they are in this, in this film, but just like, here we are team America, here we go. And I have to add on to Kim's piece about, or either Kim's or maybe it was Nina's, the beauty of the Val Kilmer scene. It was, it was touching. It was quiet in comparison to all the loud moments in, in the movie overall, and just so sweet between the two of them. But I'd say like Top Gun overall, I came to it probably a little bit later. I didn't see it when it first came out in I think 86, but it's one of those movies that you always know you can go watch and have a good time watching it. You, you know, obviously by the end, what's going to happen. Then you have your highs and lows with the emotional roller coaster, but you enjoy every single moment of it. And so going into Top Gun Maverick, I, I, tried not to have any expectations, but again, having seen it twice now, 
I could definitely see myself sitting down again in the future and watching it again and enjoying it again. And overall kind of like going along Kim's piece of going to see it with all of our colleagues. It really is a great story from Top Gun to Top Gun Maverick about a team and the growth of the individual to like recognize the importance of having a team. And it was just kind of cool because we were there with our social studies team all together. Yeah. (laughs) Being complete nerds and eating too much candy. (laughs) Can I add on to that? Um, This is a great question, actually. So, I mean, what, what Top Gun has meant to me has changed over the years, right? And it's everything that everyone else has sort of said before. Um, it at first was just like a bunch of cool lines, like Top Gun. And if on some levels, like a bit of a joke, right? Like that's not how combat is. Like you don't fly planes like that. There's a lot of one-liners throughout and there you get these weird caricatures of people, right? Like you get, I mean, <laughs> of course it's almost meta, which is like, you know, Maverick plays a Maverick, right? Like, and, and it, it, it goes like that. Um, this is jumping ahead and it's, it's moving a bit beyond the question, but when you watch it a couple times, one of the things that I've grown to really, really appreciate, um, and this is sort of getting into the evolution of Maverick here, is I love the opening scene, not just the aircraft carrier stuff, but Cougar, mm-hmm. what happens to Cougar and, and Cougar sort of breakdown as he experiences real combat because he's really foreshadowing what's going to happen to Maverick, right? Like that's Maverick is going to have a similar type of breakdown throughout. And, and then it's, and then it becomes like, well, how do you come out of that? If you look at what Viper's doing in Top Gun one, he's just like, you've got to be a team. Like you've got to work as a team. And this is why he dislikes hangman, right? When you look at Top Gun two and Maverick, like hangman is Maverick from the first movie um and you know there's that line he's just like oh you know leaving your wingman and again if we're going super meta like he calls himself hangman right like it's like you know i'm just gonna leave you out to dry and um it it's why he doesn't get it's why he's dagger spare in the in the final mission and so when you see that team thing um that's kind of what it became involved. That's what it became along with everything else, right? Which is these cool lines. What is not just like Tom Cruise's best performance, but also Val Kilmer in just this economy role in Top Gun One. Like he's not there a lot. He's there for some lines. He has mm-hmm. one training session with him in Top Gun and then he has the end, right? Um, and then... I guess, did we want to talk about the, did we want to start with maybe the Val Kilmer scene in Top Gun Maverick? Do we want to approach that right now? I had it a little bit later on, but we can move it up if we'd like. I think it's the soul of the sure. movie. I, I think it's the warm, warm center. And I love how Morgan described it as, as a quiet scene, as a gentle scene. I mean, the guy's in a cardigan. It's, it's a really nice place to start, I think, a conversation mm-hmm. about the heart of this movie. Okay, let's, Kim, do you want to start? Just like, um, you know, I think it's about past the halfway mark. Um, and then, you know, it turns out Kazansky, Admiral Iceman Kazansky, sort of his, his person looking after him the whole time. They're texting throughout. 
And then there's this moment and Iceman goes, I, I need to see you, mm-hmm. right? Can you please, can you please come here? Which turns um, out to be a much more significant line than I need to come and save you. You need to come see me so I can save your ass. Yeah. But also I need to, you to come see me so I can tell you that this is the last time we're going to see each other because my cancer is terminal. Mm-hmm. Like it's so, it's a text message. It's so loaded. It was very beautifully integrated. I love that multimedia aspect of it. Yes. Especially but- coming fresh off the Val Kilmer dock. You know, we, we, if you've seen it, you know that he, he has such difficulty speaking and yet his mind, as well as the fact that his mind is so alive, like the guy is erudite, the guy's learned, he's a good writer. Mm-hmm. He's sort of one of those intellectual actor types. And so for him to be unable to sp- express that through his voice as an actor, there's this incredible tragedy in it it's quite moving sorry nina no all i was gonna say is i always wondered after watching the trailer how he was going to be integrated into the movie Mm -hmm. um in a respectful way and um the texting was so appropriate that it kind of surprised me Mm -hmm. a little bit and then you you got the sense that they were really from him. And then when they eventually, yes. <laughs> yes. yeah, I was like, this, this is really from yeah. him. And then when they actually meet, um, you're, you're sort of like taken out of the movie for a second. Mm-hmm. And you're, you're wondering several things along with what happened to him since, like if you weren't a Val Kilmer fan, you were, this could have been very surprising for you, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and have been like, oh my God, I'm going to have to Google what's, what's happened to him since. Mm-hmm. And then the, the hug that they have and the conversation that they have was um, like, I bought it 100% that it was, that was a genuine dialogue that they were not really reading from a yeah. script. Uh-huh. And then the hug and the contact after they were looking into each other's eyes mm-hmm. like they had that they knew something that we didn't and that they were trying to accomplish something that we would only know in other and some other part of our lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That type of connection with people. I had to, I was thinking during that whole scene, like how much of this is scripted? How much is this is right. improvisation right. and naturally, okay, fine. He types out the lines and whatnot, but just because it seemed so honest, the way that they acted through it, it, it it really did seem like it could have been just a regular conversation between the two of them that they had, you know, any old day of the week, not any old day, but mm-hmm. just, you can see that their off-screen friendship is coming through and the on-screen friendship that has had to have transformed since their original Top Gun days to mm-hmm. be such confidants and, and ice looking out for Maverick so much, like, it just again solidifies the team piece that ice was all about all the way from the beginning and how he's brought Maverick under his wing. It's even though they're each other's wingmen who never knows, but he's really brought Maverick into that belief that it is about a team and taking care of each other. And I, I, I don't know about you guys, but like when they're saying goodbye and Iceman asks like, who's the better pilot? And like, let's not ruin a good or happy moment or whatever so the line yeah. is. Like, was that scripted or right. is that just like a total like let's see what you say kind of moment? Yeah. <laughs> Their brotherhood was so apparent beyond outside of team. Yeah. It was that brotherhood that you saw uh play out there, that that brothers and family tease each other 
because they're uncomfortable with the words I love you. And so we're going to, we're going to say this instead, instead of, I love you, we're going to end it this way. And we know what we're really saying is, I love you. And I know you're going somewhere else after this. And I'll see you next time. The Val Kilmer, he's the only other link to Top Gun one. I was just thinking about it right now. Like there's only it's, it's Maverick and then, and then it's Iceman, right? So there are those two. He, it's also kind of cool to see the evolution of that friendship, right? Like they were intense rivals. Iceman could see early on that um, Maverick's weakness is that he's not a team player, right? And he, and in Top Gun 1, and he, and he, he, he sort of struggles with helping. Like Iceman, I don't think is like used to helping, but he kind of got into it towards the end, especially after Goose's death right? Like he wants to comfort him. He's like, you know, everybody like goose. And then like, he's struggling to find these words and he, he does this kind of like tightening, you know, thinking stuff. And he, and he can't really say, he can't really say that much, but Iceman in this movie, in addition to those moments that were, that we're saying, um, he's part of the transformation that, that Maverick has to do in this movie, which he has to, he has to transform himself from a pilot to a teacher. Mm. And, and how does it go? Like he, he says a couple, you got to let it go. You got to let it go. And then he's, and then he speaks, Mm -hmm. right. And he goes, you know, the Navy needs Maverick and Maverick needs the Navy. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I think, so when I look at it, Iceman, the other person that, is pivotal in, in Maverick evolving beyond just a pilot who's a captain and, you know, he's like a good pilot, but he's not really anything else as Penny. It really leads up to Penny. And mm-hmm. I think quite soon after that scene, he goes to see Penny um, and Penny goes, these are your pilots. And then it gets to, and I'm getting a little ahead of myself here. And then it gets to the simulation attack run mm-hmm. where he's like, okay, well, how do I become a teacher? And, you know, you have Cyclone, which is John Hamm, then talking to the pilots, okay, the hard deck's going to be this, we're going to get three minutes to target, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden, you hear over the radio, um, Maverick's voice, you know, set time, what was it, 2.15, two minutes, 2.15, let's Mm -hmm. go on an attack run. And this is the interesting thing. And on that scene, one, I love that scene. And if you rewatch it, it's shot a little bit differently, like they kind of hold... Um, the camera on Maverick a little bit longer as he's banking left and right yeah. uh, to simulate the mountains. He also does this sort of like inverted 180 turn, which is hard to tell, but you can see the horizon line switch. This is my take on that scene as I kind of just move through it. And then I'll, I'll move on to something else is you look at a scene like that and it's like, well, who's he teaching? Who's Maverick trying to teach? So mm-hmm. the knee jerk is like, okay, well, it's the students he's teaching. I don't actually think so. I think he's teaching Cyclone. No, it's John Ham. Yeah, because right. the the kids or the kids. I mean, these aren't kids. These are Top Gun graduates, right? So they're even higher than Maverick, where Maverick was in Top Gun. And John Ham is like, or Cyclone, I should say, is like, oh, this is possible. Oh, you can do this. One can do mm-hmm. this, and it puts Cyclone. Um, I think Warlock's in the room too. Warlock yeah. is like the vice admiral, and mm-hmm. it's. And this is his culmination, right? He's and working back to the Iceman scene, he goes, it's 
it's not what I am. It's who I am. He goes, I'm a pilot. It's not what I am. It's who I am. And Iceman becomes like this uh, place where Maverick can be like very emotional. He actually breaks down. He doesn't know what to do. Like he doesn't know how to let go. I don't think he does let go of Goose in the end or protecting Rooster, right? Like he's like, I can't do that. And that's because of the, the, the promise he made as the mother, mm-hmm. but you know, it's, 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 and this is a lot. It's, it's also just an acknowledgement, I think of age, which I just appreciated, right? These are older men that have been friends a really long time. Um, one's at a crisis of, of where they're at. The other one is dying, but ironically not in crises. I think he's, I think Iceman's character is fully accepting of what's, what's about to happen to him. And he's like, okay, I need to close things off here. And I'll just end off with, and that's set up really early when Cyclone says, for whatever reason, Admiral Kazansky still believes in you. And he is someone I deeply, deeply mm-hmm. admire, right? Like they're setting up this scene uh, right from the beginning. I just, I thought it was interesting the point you brought up about the, like the teaching piece of with Cyclone and when Maverick has to find his way back in after being fired after Iceman is passed and when Cyclone's you know changing all of the the settings for the run it it's interesting how the like I mean we'll get to this part later the the football scene where he's making <laughs> a new team. what's it called again aggressive football or no like... it's called dogfight football oh dogfight yes. football yeah. yeah okay so that that making the team piece again so they've they've bought in. They've bought into Maverick. Maverick set all these pieces. He's shown them what he can do. He's killed them all in the training sessions and made them do hundreds and hundreds of push-ups. So when Cyclone's changing all the parameters, they're like, "What?" Like you can see them knowing and believing that top top or oh my god, Tom Cruise <laughs> Maverick believes in them and believes that it can be done. But John or Cyclone is the one who's like, "No, it can't. It can't." And it's it's if if Maverick hadn't have done that run, those kids wouldn't have felt confident in going and doing that mission. Like it was yeah. such a pivotal piece to have Maverick go and and do it. And you kind of knew it was going to happen. Yes. It's like, come on, how could it not? But it just solidified like the 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 kids, so we'll call them, their belief yeah. that that Maverick knows what he's talking about. He can do it. And if, well, if he can do it, then maybe we can do it too. Yeah. So I just, I like that piece. And, and maybe, as you said, like, it's not what I am, it's who I am. And, and maybe it's not letting go, but maybe it's more coming to terms with understanding that that's him and that's okay. <laughs> well, I'll just, Cyclone is okay with a if with some of the pilots not coming back i know which is terrible yes. right okay. he like and i i would say maybe on cyclone's part because um he doesn't he doesn't think it can be done any other way so he's like listen at least you stand a chance in the dog fight yeah so he he's okay that's why he's willing to let it all go um maverick isn't no, like he is absolutely not okay, and that's right from the the Dark Star scene in the beginning, mm-hmm. which is he doesn't have to push Mach ten in this thing, but then he's like, "But what about everybody else?" Mm-hmm. Right? He's like, "But what about everybody else?" Like, and 
this is the extension from him. Like when you think of it, this is the signal. He still hasn't let goose go. Right. Cause he is, he let him down. Um, and he's like, I can't let these people down. He's overcompensating. Right. And it's that tough scene between um, wonderful scene though, cyclone warlock and Maverick that ends in the joke of the request to lower the hard deck, sir. Right. You know, oh, yeah. timing is everything. <laughs> right. But before that is no, there's one more mission parameter is that we all come home. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, so he's got to prove that, you know, him, him doing his thing is like, if we do it this way, the chances of everyone surviving just goes way up. And why wouldn't you want that kind of thing? It, it says something interesting about, like I, I'm writing in my notes here. I'm like this. What this says to me is, don't trust middle managers. Like there's a there's a relationship being posited, or or a description being posited about the relationship of the individual to wider society, as well as the individual soldier within American, the American military. I think too, like almost like it's saying um, there has to be space for individuality and dynamism and creative thought, because the guys in the middle are the ones who might fuck it up for you, but you should trust inevitably in the project of the American army, because look at all the good stuff they have and they can land planes on ships and, and they save the day. But there, there's something there about like the fact that there's, there's warlock, um, which is, um, and I'm, I'm blanking on the name suddenly of John Hamm. There, there's like Cyclone. two sort of disbelievers between him and Iceman. And I think there's something there that's like very, a very American statement about like, believe in the project, stay true to yourself, tilt Mm -hmm. at windmills if you have to, but stay free somehow to do it your own way because the guys who are rising up are doing it through kissing ass and certain level of promotions and that sort of thing. But the true believers might still be captains after 30 years in the career, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I was liking what, what Nina was saying so much about this being such an American movie and, um, and, it, and we can't take that out of watching this movie. I think the fact that like what I, when I've, I looked at some criticism of this film and it was like, basically this is a really great enlistment video. This, this is really yes. going to get people wanting to join up Yes, because did you know the Navy has an air force? So you got boats and you got planes. Look at all that cool shit you get to do. Well, and yes. which Maverick alludes to when he's on the sailboat with Penny and she's like, I thought you were in the Navy. He's like, right. I don't drive the boats. I land on them. Or yeah. Like, that was so awesome. <laughs> For me to go back to the whole um, Maverick being a teacher and he's like, oh, oh my God, can you imagine him being a teacher and him being a captain for so long? Mm-hmm. For me, it's because we're all teachers Um, sometimes, you know, you could be supportive of it, you know, that sort of person encouraging your students and then showing them how to do something and working them through something. Mm -hmm. They don't believe you and they don't buy in until they actually see you do it yourself. Um, it's amazing. Like whether it be in the classroom or when you're, when you're coaching them in a sport or whatever, and you can talk and talk and talk and you can, half demonstrate or talk through something but when they see you do it when they see you write the paragraph live or talk out the paragraph live that they're struggling with or come up with a thesis statement and then you find the words 
or um, you have to show a maneuver or a particular technique on the court. They, and it's really not meant to dazzle them, but it's meant to get them to believe that if this middle-aged coach teacher of yours can do it, then you can too. And we're not just getting you to the end of, or we're not just proud of you because you finished your essay. We're thinking much longer term. We, we want you to come home. We want you to do more. We want you to not just qualify for that competition. We would like you to medal. Like that's what we're mm-hmm. always aiming for. And I think that was the subtle messaging there that he could tell them all they, all they wanted and they were dazzled already because of the way he is and how persuasive and his his charisma and all the things the visual appeal to him and the characterization of him but as soon as he does it and he comes back with time to spare then it's like he is a teacher and he is a leader and he's the only person for this mission mm-hmm. and uh they're behind him and everyone should be behind him 100 percent. this movie has a great comparison or metaphor or lesson to work, to working. Because um, Top Gun Maverick is, I think in its soul, there's a lot of souls here, is an old soldier with one last mission, right? Mm -hmm. And can he do it? And if you think about the groups of people, you have sort of three generations of workers here. You have the, the young pilots, they've graduated from Top Gun, they're, so they're, they're like just at the beginning of getting established. They're not trying to get established. They just got established and they're all eager. What actually surprised me is they're all eager to go on this mission. I'm wondering if anyone is in this Top Gun class going on like, ah, I just kind of want to back, go back to whatever, but you know, like, you know, Hangman and, and Phoenix and, and um, Payback and all of them, they're Rooster. They all really want to go. So they want to be established. Um. Warlock and Cyclone, I envision they're sort of like 10 to 15 years younger than Maverick, mm-hmm. right? They're, well, oh, they are? I, no, oh. well, I don't know. I'm just sorry to like jump off. I think, I only think that Cyclone's a couple years younger because when they're, when they were first being introduced, um, Warlock introduces Cyclone and was like, oh yeah, he won Top Gun in 88. Oh. oh, and then Tom right. Cruise is like, well, you know, I actually came second, want to manage expectations. Right. So I, I, don't, I don't think they're that much. That was I think such a great Tom Cruise line too. Like, no, Tom, we're fine. <laughs> Go ahead. I also liked how he said, I like how he said, like Maverick from Top Gun 1 would never have said I came in second, right? Like that was another <laughs> yes. clear. He's like, oh, by the way, I came in second. Like, I'm part of that alternate or what? Um, <laughs> sorry, I mean you're actually that's a that's a good point. This sorry, is Morgan. I'm, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but they're the admirals, right? And they're in charge. He was graduate first in his class. You know, you're not my pick. Blah blah blah. Right? Like, there's all of this. And then you've got Maverick, who he kind of comes in. I think the Dark Star thing would have ended his career. Like, that's kind of it. Um, I'm going by a sort of natural age, which like he's mid fifties, like he's about to be kicked out. Like when after all, after Admiral Kaczynski died, you know, it basically uh, Cyclone was going to get rid of him. Mm-hmm. And 
it just comes down to like, you know, does he still have it? Can he still do it? And I wondered in the attack run, if that was almost trying to prove to himself mm-hmm. if he could do it. And I, and I sat there thinking about it and I just go, okay, I'm, aren't we all going to get there at some point, right? Where we go in our own career, where are we going to be edged out or, you know, we're a bit too old or things are passing us by. And it sets up that wonderful line, which is, um, you know, can we do it? And the answer is yes, because it's not the plane, it's the pilot, right? And that kicks in at the end, which is a bunch of times, right? It, it comes in the rooster argument, mm-hmm. which is like, okay, well, rooster, you were super late. Now you're engaging fifth generation fighters. You need to be there on time. And, and then he goes, well, it's not the plane, it's the pilot. And then I actually, I love arguments where you like use one phrase, but then you follow it with something and it changes the definition. And, mm-hmm. and then, and then Maverick goes exactly. And that ends the thing. Um, and then when they're up in the F-14 at the very end where it's like, it's not, it's not the plane, it's the pilot. And he goes, oh, okay. And it's, and I just, that's, I just loved it. Right. I'm just like, he had one more mission in him. Um, it was in my second viewing. He was prepared to die in the end there. His one last oh, yeah. mission was, was to make sure rooster came home. I don't think he, I, I mean, you don't want to die, but he was prepared for it. And that just led to like all sorts of peril right? One, when he gets shot down, the second, when rooster hits the ejector or is pulling the ejector and it's just not going. And it's, it's a tribute to the filmmaking that people's just hearts just sink when he's yeah. pulling. Like not again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, no. like, you're like, Oh my God. Um, I thought I, I just wanted to add on to, I really love this thread that we're working with on generations because I, I, that really stuck out for me too. And I came home and I said to my partner, wow, they really slammed millennials in this movie because one of the, the things you see, like, so there's Kaczynski. He uh, did everything he's supposed to do. He was actually, he's the best pilot. He rose up through the ranks appropriately. And now he's dead appropriately. And uh, underneath him, we have these series of admirals like Cyclone who are um, very cynical. They don't believe this thing is going to work and they're set up to let people die so that maybe there's a chance in the dogfight. And then under them, they have like, then there's Maverick with his Dark Star program and he's pushing Mach 10 and he's trying to save the jobs of all these people, which says something about, I think, the precariousness of military funding in the U.S. Like it was a comment on that, like what the, what the U.S. military is trying to do. They're willing to lay off all these people. It's not a good job anymore. It's a precarious job now, unless you're guys like Cyclone. Mm-hmm. And then underneath them, I've got this whole diagram. You can't see that. It's a podcast. But anyway, <laughs> underneath them is this whole crew of, of graduates from a program who are well-trained but untried. Because in the movie, the myth is that the U.S. has been in some kind of peace since Maverick was busy mm-hmm. as a young man since, since the first Top Gun. So that somehow they're, they're excellent at what they do, but they're missing real life experience. And that is a major millennial slam. And I, I was really cute to the dialogue they put in the mouths of those grads, especially in the mouths of Rooster. Like you see that after Tom Cruise with his death wish, like the only way he can redeem himself is by saving Rooster. So a death for a death. 
Mm -hmm. very old, old morality. He, when he's with Rooster in those scenes sort of behind enemy lines, Rooster is only speaking in questions to him. Rooster looks at him and goes, what do we do next? Like four or five times. Mm -hmm. This guy is really well-trained, but he's totally untried. And I was really struck by that. Like they really nailed, they, they really nailed that repeatedly in this movie. This guy cannot, these people cannot stand on their own because of, because the world has changed. They're prepared in a different way. But it's interesting too that, you know, in the opening scene with the Dark Star mission and, and Ed Harris coming in as Admiral Kane, mm. that none of them are going to be even needed to be tried or tested because right. you're all aging it. You're actually all going to be pushed out eventually because right. we're going to have drones and we're not going to have to do these things anymore. Right. The drone mm -hmm. speech from Ed Harris. Wasn't that yeah. great? Yeah. Right. So, you know, not only is this a last trial run, a last mission, like for Maverick, it might be for the programs that they so love as well. Or in their flying, are they actually proving that these kinds of fighters are still needed? And, and so maybe we shouldn't be relying just on tech for everything. Right. So it's an interesting like dynamic between all those pieces too, along with the, the generational piece. Absolutely. And then when they find the old plane and he can yeah. still fly it. Well, I just thought that there was an unnamed enemy that you wouldn't do in the 80s or 90s or, or early 2000s. Um, only in 2022 do you not name your enemy because <laughs> you don't know which way the world is uh, headed and you don't know who your allies are anymore. And so that was that was so strange to me, whereas at the time of the original movie you had no problem figuring out who your enemy was you'd name them you'd put yeah. the flag of their country up there and uh that was the and, and then the geography mm -hmm. which was i could only think of one country with that kind of geography canada. but no one was saying it it was canada, canada. <laughs> yeah. well and 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 parts of afghanistan man minus <laughs> Yes. Certain types of trees. Yes. yes. Minus some type of education, but those tall trees would not make any sense, <laughs> right? In, <laughs> in more, even in the Southern parts of Afghanistan, it wouldn't make yeah. any sense. Mm -hmm. Well, so. it's just, it's interesting with the unnamed enemy kind of thing, like thinking about the first Top Gun, all of our, all of our, the, the, the fan favorite pilots, the, the hero pilots all you see their visors and you can yeah. see their faces right? and you can't see the other side's faces. Mm -hmm. And I just thought that was interesting too. And this was like, what an easy way to make the good guys and the bad guys, the bad guys wear dark visors. Can't see their <laughs> They're yeah. evil, like dark planes, dark, everything. Like, can we get any more obtuse? <laughs> 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 totally different hand signals too. Yeah. Totally I different no idea hand what signals. Like there's not a thumbs up. That is not universal, even though it is an emoji. Yes. Like, come on. <laughs> they don't know what he's saying. Come on. <laughs> it, it's, um, I would just like the movie didn't need it. It didn't really need an enemy. No. Like th there was that level of like 
well, we just have to do this to have a mission to train for like, why three weeks? You know, why can't we train longer? Right. Like, you know, yes. there's, there's all sorts <laughs> of things. And I, I saw it as a, like, as a positive, well, I don't know how I saw it, honestly, like I'm, but I'll just say like, I'm glad in a lot of ways it didn't complicate it yes. with it. it. It was, it was simple, right? Like it was just about, you know, can we kind of do this? Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, without getting to, you know, maximizing opening weekend profits, right. You know, and all that kind of stuff, like, <laughs> and, and it's increasing its marketability. Did, did we want to talk about whether, um, before Kim runs away, um, the simplicity or the complexness of the love interest that is Penny? Oh, Penny. I think I'll just, I think Penny is incredibly important uh, oh. and wonderful in this movie, Jennifer Connelly. But Kim, did you have any, did you want to add anything? All I can say, all I want, here's my note about, about the Penny situation is it was a celebration of genes. <laughs> and I mean, not genetics, I mean, genes. Like Venom. that was such a 90s nod too. I thought that you still had these two still hot stars who could, um, who were so all American in their sexuality and, and such that they still looked really great in a pair of jeans. Like there was, there was a moment when, I can't remember if it's before the sort of strange non sequitur of the sailing scene, but they're, they're shot. Maverick and Penny are standing in a way and they, they've, they're not standing, looking right into each other's eyes. This isn't a Val Kilmer moment. They're actually positioned in a way that their asses are very clear to the audience. So they're almost, it's very awkward. And you, you just think I, I saw that and I thought this is about the ass. This is about, the aging American ass still looking good in jeans. And well, with that, I got to peace out. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Thank you, Kim. Thank you for your time. Such a great line to peace out on. Yeah. <laughs> All American ass. <laughs> the the ass is still one, hot in America, even yeah. in, even at, in all these years later. Mm -hmm. The, the new world the order is assured. The, the car seat <laughs> at the end. <laughs> totally. Amazing. I love you guys. I'm sorry that I need to run. Thank, Thank you, you so much Thank for having for me time. today. Love and I can. look forward to our next one. Have a good evening. Bye, darlings. Bye. <laughs> so these are my favorite nods to um, Top Gun. The role reversal at the bar. Right. Oh. So I so when he he comes in. Uh, Penny's in charge. Um, through a variety of reasons, his card gets declined. He, <laughs> he literally gets kicked out. So not only is he on this sort of emotional back foot, then he has an emotional crisis, like it just a, in a moment when he sees Rooster again playing the piano song. And, um, and then the whole, oh, this guy that we just threw, threw out, he's our teacher, right? So all of that yeah. kind of wrapped up in just this bar sequence. Um, and I just, I thought it was, I thought it was really good. Uh, Nina, did you want to say anything? Do you want me to just keep going or what, what do you think? Well, um, in the early stages when she came out, I was like, who is this person? And I knew Kelly McGillis wasn't going to be in it, but I thought, 
that her character would still be in it. They would actually just replace her with someone who they thought would be more attractive because Kelly McGillis is still beautiful, but not the way the movie wanted her to be beautiful. So when, when it was uh, Jen Connolly, I was like, oh, okay. And I was a bit disappointed in the movie for that. Um, but I just, you know, I, I don't think that she was really necessary to advance his character. I don't know if that's an unpopular Penny. opinion. Penny. I don't think Penny was necessary in the movie because his growth um, didn't happen uh, over the course of the movie because of her. It was just a way for him to advance dialogue. And I think he could have advanced dialogue with other people instead of her. But because this is a kind of macho, alpha male kind of movie, you need to have a penny. You have to be standing behind, beside a, a hot girl. So I think that's, that's why she was there. And I do like Jen Connolly, and I do think she's really attractive, but I don't think her character was necessary in the movie. Sorry for the fans out there. If I get a bunch of hate for that one, <laughs> God, I feel really... Actually, I feel fine. <laughs> no, I, I liked I liked her in it. I thought, like, it's almost not a word of... It's just another level to, like, his support system. He okay. did, right? Like, because, you know, Rooster, Rooster, he's, like, in one of the scenes, they're talking, I can't remember how it's set up, but, like, Rooster's, like, oh, it's easy for you to say with, like, no family, no wife, et cetera, et cetera. And, but, so Maverick might not have the traditional family and friends, but he has all these friends and people who he's had in his past. And we find out that like Penny is the Admiral's daughter from the first movie that, you know, yeah. he'd pissed off another Admiral and oh, what, because of the Admiral daughter. And there's even a couple more illusions in the movie. If you watch it a second time where they talk about, oh, it's another Admiral, etc., to like get back to how Penny fits back in. Because even the first time watching it, I was like, who is she? Why is she here? And why are they so familiar? And they mm -hmm. have that history from the first film we just have to like fill in the blanks a little bit more as she to figure out who she who she is but i just liked how it kind of also, her character also puts maverick a little bit in a humbled position because he's not in charge as chris was saying like he walks into the bar he's not in charge she's in charge and and she controls a lot of the relationship she closes the door and like no you're not coming in she leaves the door open okay you can come in you go out the window like she it's it's diminishing maybe the macho man that who he was in the first movie and it's a little bit more you know relevant to today's climate that she's got a little bit more control in the relationship can i um i don't see maverick as outside of maybe the pilot thing and even then i don't see him macho at all and i think penny is that barometer to show that he's not right he's unsure of what to do it's her lead the entire way. Um, I think the jumping out of the window scene and seeing the daughter and the daughter goes, just don't break her heart again. Like there's consequences to kind of what you're doing. And he, he really realizes that, 
right? Like, and Penny, you know, as I mentioned, like Penny and, and Iceman, he, Maverick doesn't know what to do mm-hmm. at a certain point in this movie. And Penny's the one that helps him kind of get through with the, you know, these are your pilots, you know, you can't let them go, that kind of stuff. And, and I liked everything about it, right? Um, it, with, the except, I, with the exception of the, the optics, I mean, I liked it as well, but she's riding in the back of his Kawasaki Ninja, right? While he's going like, that's the one area. But aside from that, I think the sailing boat scene is another key. Like he has no idea how to sail. She knows how to sail. Like mm-hmm. he, he's just, he's like, oh my God, like, I don't know. I don't know what to do here. And it's her who's like, okay, I'm, I'm going to choose to help you or not. I'll keep going through my list and then we'll move through little tiny things. I liked one is listening to combat on the radio, right? So at the end of top gun, when he is, um, I think ghost rider and he's just the alert five aircraft. And he's just hearing the whole combat on the radio in top gun Maverick. There's a lot of like listening to these dogfight scenes on the radio. Right. So while um, hangman's up there, I think Phoenix is listening on the radio and then like vice versa. I, I really like, hangman as dagger spare which is what maverick was in the first one right so that uh obviously the hard deck all the hard deck connections the ca- opening caraway carrier scene so admittedly i just rewatched top gun this morning and the other, the, the, the 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 not part two it just oh here's okay a, here's another slight one when Cougar throws his wings on the table when he retires, I make a connection to when he punches Val Kilmer's wings into his coffin, right? That whole like he there's the the yeah. wings on the coffin and he, the the pin and he just and he punches it down, and like just these wonderful, wonderful connections. Um, for you two, are there any more? What other nostalgic illusions did you have that you just were like, thank you, well done, thank you, well done, thank you for including that, you know, when when you move through the movie? I'll say one thing that I missed um, that I was a little bit, I was like, oh, they didn't, the buzzing the tower. So, I mean, they buzzed the tower a little bit when he's coming back to land with Rooster, but they didn't spill the coffee. Oh, yes. About it. And I was like waiting for the buzz of the tower and the coffee moment. But I guess like they just decided it wasn't needed to need the cheap laugh. But I was kind of like, oh, it didn't happen. (laughs) But I did. I mean, I'm a sucker for the volleyball scene in the first film. And I thought the football scene was a great (laughs) step above, like past beyond the volleyball the two pairs, the teams, the rivalry there, but then the football scene on the beach, everybody's kind of in on it and having fun. And I thought it was a good, like good inclusion to still have the sport moment and showing off all the well-worked out people. And then also like moving it forward as well, I thought. And was he still playing in jeans again? That would have been in, I didn't notice. I think so. <laughs> he looked yeah. like he was in rolled up pants playing or something. <laughs> yeah. But his physique was clearly up for everyone to check out. Mm-hmm. Did you notice the purpose switch? Yes. So in, in the volleyball scene, it's to solidify the rivalry, but yeah. in Top Gun two, it's to create a greater overarching team. And, and aside from, of course, Tom Cruise 
you know, taking the throw, whatever Bob, I think Bob had a winning touchdown yeah. at the very end. And it's like, we're all, we're all kind of in this together. Right. And Top Gun one was about winning the trophy mm-hmm. and Maverick Top Gun Maverick. Well, Cyclone, you wanted me to build a team. This is how we're going to build a team. Right. So you've got, you've got these sort of subtle switches um, along the way, anything else. And then I can get to my expansions. Uh, the soundtrack. Oh, the God. fact that as soon as we got in there, yes, that we're greeted by Tom Cruise, but then right away you have um, the text on the screen that lets you settle in. And then you have the exact same opening soundtrack that was in one. And um, if you're a fan, you got goosebumps and you're, you're just like hanging on to your armrest going, I'm going to relive my youth right now and how excited I was at the first time. And I think it was just so tasteful. Like everyone knew it was coming, but it was, it still had you, it still had the same power. And I'm glad they went with it and didn't go, oh, well, this is predictable. It was just all at the right time. Did I like the song at the end? Um yeah, I think it was just it what I don't think it was the right fit because Lady Gaga is really powerful and she ended up owning the end, whereas um it just could have done better with maybe an instrumental, I think. Yeah. Just I leave it, it leave it to the audience to put together. Don't don't do everything for us. There is there is a bit of formula in it and it's um, like there is no need for an opening, like aircraft carrier launching, landing montage. There's like no reason for it, but it was awesome. Like it was, it was just wonderful in just seeing that update. Um, you, this goes to one of my extra questions, which you don't really, no one should answer. Cause I want to get to expansions in a second. I'm like, do planes really look that great? Or is it just great filmmaking? Right? Like who could make, being on an aircraft carrier looks so cool and like hitting the jump cables or, you know, the afterburner and, and, and even at the end there, you know, when he's landing and they have the safety net, these sort of ropes that take in the 14, you know, I don't know what the answer is. I think planes are naturally cool. I think planes are naturally cool. And I have to think that the fact that if you go to any airport, they have like benches outside of the fence to watch the planes go over top. And speaking as a child from the 80s and 90s, when they had the air show all the time at the um, CNE in Toronto, we'd sit out all the time and watch the snowbirds. Like planes are fascinating. They make humans fly. Like that is something that we cannot do without an airplane. And so, yeah, they are incredibly cool. Everything like you have something that has so much power behind it that you like it's, it's incredible to see the engines and, and even the hooking pieces at the end. Like these are incredible feats of human ingenuity that are happening. Best expansion was they made the flights way, way better, right? So the countermeasure scenes were way better. Uh, the G4 scenes were way better. Like just them breathing, it became a part of the storyline to do G-forces running down bullet ammunition that also was quite cool um so i have all of that 
uh, AWACS, uh, also known as the Comanche plane. Uh, that was the call sign in the final scene. I thought that was, I thought that was pretty great. And then I have here Maverick, which we talked a lot about, like just the expansion of Maverick, um, his expansion and not expansion, right? So uh, it's stuff like that. Any other, any other from anyone else? What What were your favorite? Like, oh wow, I'm glad they really took it in that direction. Everything just seemed so seamless and flawless. Like in the movie, there wasn't too much. I even really noticed that was expanding on the first film. One maybe expansion that was kind of cheese was the fact that like the Tom or that Maverick saves Rooster's life. And then Rooster does the same thing. And then they have to like, that was a little bit cheesy in the helicopter scene where he's like, yeah. I'm like, how did he find him? Yes. Forest in the classic Tom Cruise run from (laughs) From, from whatever the Mission Impossible uh, Three. Mission Impossible, Mission Impossible, Impossible movie. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. No, but it's like uh, I it did teleport me a little bit. I'm like, am I still watching Top Gun? Yeah. It, it's it's interesting. Like, I mean, I'll be I'll be honest, I nerded out a little bit and I started reading some articles about the movie. And it was interesting to read what other people had said that like in the movie, a lot of the come from Tom Cruise movies and it like breaks it down like how Maverick is cocktail how Maverick is Michelin impossible how Maverick is like all these other oh, kinds yeah. of things all kind of like pieced together because it come quite mission impossibly with the actual mission and the ending and everything else so right. it's it's an interesting coming of two of his film genres together really yeah I don't wish for any expansions I think it would have um the movie and it would have gotten gotten nailed in the box office. I like it was a perfect length. It was it touched on the right people, even with Penny, you know, I you know, not a fan of the Penny, but the fact that she was in there was still okay. But anymore it would have been like uh, too much reaching. Unnecessary reach. Okay, here's my last question. Oh, unless you have more. Um, so rewatching Top Gun this morning, uh, a couple th- weird, tiny things that Top Gun one made cool. Okay, here we go. Number one, tapping the fuel gauge. <laughs> you, do you remember when they were in the in the planes and it's like, oh, we're low on fuel, and he taps the gauge. I don't know if anyone's ever tapped their fuel gauge, but I've done that. Um, mm-hmm. The Iceman playing with the pen in, in one your car. <laughs> yeah, just like if you're if you're low on fuel, you just like oh, like you just like hit the yeah. thing just to see if the if the gauge is right. Um, the second one is Iceman. Remember when he's in the, the needles broken or not? <laughs> yeah, and he has his pen in the hand remember and he's just like rolling pen. the pen in the hand i think he sort of started that yes like people started playing pen and then it, it got to like poker mm. chips and things like that um number 3 uh the bullshit cough i don't think there's ever been a bullshit cough unless like top was top gun <laughs> the one that actually did that that's number 3 or this is number 4 from the volleyball scene the double high five, right? Remember they like high five and then they high five again. <laughs> and, 
uh, and then I wrote I wrote a couple more. Number one, any phrase with the word wingman in it. We never, <laughs> used, we never used the word wingman. And then number number six, I guess, is biting your teeth as a comeback, which is what Iceman does. Like he just bites his teeth and he makes a yeah. biting yeah. noise. And or saying you stink, which is what he says to Slatter. <laughs> oh yeah, they like sniff in and yeah. <laughs> and he's stink. like Slatter. And those all became all became a thing. What could be the thing that comes out of Top Gun Maverick? Is there anything? Oh, it's that not could... the plane. It's the and pilot. it's a pilot. <laughs> yeah, I've only got one look. One look. Yeah. Um, yeah. What look? I've only it's got the only look. look I got. Yeah. It's the only look I got. It's the only look I got. Yeah. It's it's not the plane. It's the pilot. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely gonna be the new tagline for sure. For sure. Thank you very much, everyone. Thank you, Kim. Thank you, Thank you, Nina. Thank you, Morgan, for this time. I really, really appreciate it. Um, this has been another edition of Tilt Shift, the Top Gun Maverick edition brought to you by the Tilt Shift Network. Um, <laughs> thank you, everyone, for listening. We really, 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 really appreciate it. Bye. Bye.